Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin, and I am wrong because after UFC 293, I'm happy to admit I was wrong. And I am joined today by another man who is a UFC legend. He was also wrong. Matt Brown. We, we live in a world now, Matt Brown, where Sean Strickland is the UFC middleweight champion of the world. I try to convince you, bro, but you convinced me out of it. I, uh, you convinced me out of convincing you. Yeah, there's no such thing as a sure thing in the sport. We all know that. And you said that. Very honestly, you said that. But this felt, going into it, like a sure thing. And I guess that's when you should just know that like something's gonna something weird's gonna happen. But that's exactly what did happen on Saturday night. Sean Strickland defeated Israel Adesanya, became the new middleweight champion. I mean and you know what I you know, here's what I'll say about that real quick. He didn't just go out and get I mean, he almost did. He went out he didn't get out get a flash knockdown or a knockout. You know what I mean? He didn't put him away inside one round. Now he almost did. But he didn't. He ended up beating him 49-46. That means he won four out of five rounds. And the four rounds he won weren't really close. Like, it wasn't like Adesanya was in the fight and there were a couple dicey moments. Like, Adesanya won the second round. That's it. Like, this this was the picture of a dominant win. And even that second round wasn't, like, like, Izzy didn't run away with it. Like, it was still, like... You know, it was still a close round. You know, it wasn't like a, a dominating round by Izzy either. And you could arguably call round one 10 8. Cause, yeah. you know, I mean, Izzy was on his way out, right? Like that was, that was really close. So, you know, you got, I was arguing with myself all day about, you know, man, I kept thinking, boy, Izzy just looked not himself, right? But I'll tell you what, it, rather than, saying it wasn't Izzy beating himself. Like, I, like the more I thought about it, I was like, no, Sean Strickland made Izzy not be himself. Like, you have to give all the credit to Sean Strickland. He got the fucking job done, and he did it very, very fucking well. You, uh, it's like you read my mind, because we do have a tendency in this sport when, when really good fighters have a bad night at the office, we start, what's wrong with Israel Adesanya? Like, what happened? He looked like this. He looked like that. No, what he looked like was a guy who got beaten by Sean Strickland, a guy who took it to him, showed no fear, stepped into the pocket, 
And I think that that first knockdown just completely altered the fight. I think Adesanya, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, I think he went in there thinking, I'm going to I'm gonna make easy work out of this dude. This dude doesn't belong in there. And guess what? About 95% of the, the MMA audience probably agreed he didn't really belong in there with Israel Adesanya. I mean, he was on a two-fight win streak, and his two wins were nowhere near the top of the division. No one was sitting there banging the drum saying, man, Sean Strickland really needs this title shot. I think Israel Adesanya thought he was just a much better fighter than Sean Strickland, and Sean Strickland carried that attitude in there that I just don't give a shit. And he went in there and just took it to Israel Adesanya. And I think that first, when he landed landed that right hand that knocked Adesanya down and it looked like it was over. And boy, I tell you what, that was as close to a a stoppage as you could get. He was hammering Adesanya with punches. Credit to Izzy for sticking around. But I think that was it. I just think that was it. I think at that moment it was over. Like not over in terms of like the fight should have been stopped. Just I think he, I think he just, beat Israel Adesanya in that moment and Izzy never came back and Sean put on a brilliant performance and a great game plan to do it. I do hate when we diminish someone's win by sitting here questioning why another guy lost. I just think Sean Strickland was the better fighter on Saturday night. Yeah, I had to wonder, you know, because originally my thought was, you know, Izzy didn't fight himself. He wasn't doing as well as he could have done or should have done. And mainly because he didn't adjust, right? Like, like Sean landed that big punch in the first round. And then like, Izzy didn't adjust and Izzy did wasn't saying to himself in his, in the corner, you know, you know, I'm willing to die for this. Like he did in the gasoline fight. Right. And he didn't go out there and, and try to find a way. So, you know, my first thought was, you know, what's going on with Izzy? Like he's not being himself. He's not uh, adjusting to this fight. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, dude, like Sean did not let him adjust. Like Sean kept the pressure on him. And Izzy basically fought the, at least the last three rounds, you could arguably say four, or you could arguably say all five, just to survive. Like he didn't find hardly any offense whatsoever. Everything he threw at Sean, Sean seen it and defended it well. Like, I don't, I don't know if if he if Izzy landed a a really clean punch like one time. I don't like, think like, he did. I don't, I don't I don't think he did and and I think that like from the very first moment of the fight he did what we thought he would do. He 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 backed up against the cage to let Sean come forward and we both agreed like that's a dangerous game to play with Israel Adesanya because he's such a good counter striker. But Strickland's defense was good and then de- what the what I think Strickland did really well was he he didn't get he got he got too close to Izzy. And what I mean by that is, is he didn't stand on the end of Izzy's punches and kicks. He actually got just a little bit too close. So Izzy couldn't use that long jab and those long kicks. And so it was just like, he didn't like, he wasn't fighting from the clinch. He was just like six inches closer to where Izzy couldn't really react with his punches. Couldn't really snipe him from the outside. And then he just kept putting it on and putting him on and putting him on him. And then it just took, it took Israel completely out of his rhythm and then, as you said, he just never got going after that. Like, he kind of shifted into almost like a, as you said, like almost shifting into I just want to survive here because Strickland was just all over him and never gave him a minute to breathe. And the best punches from round one to round five were all landed by Sean Strickland. Like, I don't, as you said, I don't really remember a significant moment where I thought, man, 
Izzy's getting him. Like, did Izzy win one round? Yeah, but even as you said, it was a closer round. It wasn't like he blew him out of the water that one round. And Sean clearly won every other round. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, there's was no question in my mind that Sean won every, won every other round. Yeah, I had the feeling the whole fight that Izzy was setting something up, setting a trap, you know, setting, uh, just setting something up. And it seemed like it never came. Like, Sean, that's why I started to credit Sean more. Like, Sean never fell for the bullshit. And I'm not saying I'm not, you know, diminishing what Izzy does and calling it bullshit, but you know, like he throws a lot of those funny things to get you off your game. He throws a lot of those feints to get you thinking about what he's doing. And Sean just bit down his mouthpiece and said, fuck it. I don't care what you do. I'm coming forward and I'm going to hit you. And, you know, he worked his jab very, very well, which we knew he would at least try to do. We just didn't think that it would work against Izzy. But we knew that that'd be what Sean would do. That's what he's done to every single person that he's fought. Um, but he just, he didn't fall for any of the, you know, I call it bullshit, but, you know, the traps or whatever, the setups that Izzy was going for. And then it seemed like once Izzy was out of that, he didn't start searching for anything else. He kept searching for the same thing over and over. And uh, that's why, you know, I still don't think it was a, you know, I, I still wanted to, you know, it was still not one of Izzy's best performances, but I give credit to Sean for it not being one of Izzy's best performances, but I still think like Izzy could have done better. Yeah. You know what I realized? I woke up this morning and I realized not only that Sean Strickland is actually the champion, I didn't live in a dream last night, but in reality, Matt, what I realized last night is this is really the first time we've seen, and in the UFC, this is really the first time we've seen Israel Adesanya get truly beaten. And what I mean by that is when he lost to Alex Pereira, he was up. He was winning. Alex came he in got, with a fifth. this time. Yeah, he like he got he got knocked out by Alex Pereira in the fifth round, but he was winning that fight. He lost to Jan Blahovich three two. Three rounds to two, and it was largely just the takedown in that in, in later in the fight. He didn't get beat up. He didn't get beat down. He just lost to a larger, better man on the ground. But again, he didn't really get beat up. He, he basically lost because he was outweighed and outsized, and he got taken down. He got beaten on Saturday night. Like we saw, as you said, he got outclassed on Saturday night. That's something we've never seen in Israel Adesanya's entire UFC career. Like I think that's what makes this one so special is when you really think about it, he's never had that. Even the fights he's lost, the two other fights he's lost, he had a moment. Like, if he would have won that fifth round against against Jan Blachowicz, he would be a two-division champion. If he would have waited out three more minutes against Alex Pereira in their first fight, he would have beaten the boogeyman back then. He wouldn't even need a rematch. You know what I mean? Like, he was winning. This time, there was no question. He got absolutely dominated for 21 or 23 minutes or 22 minutes, whatever you want to say of a 25 minute fight. And almost finished also, <laughs> you know, like, like prayer, I think is the only guy that's ever finished him. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like ever, like ever finished him. And then you know, he came back and avenged that loss. And then like no one else that I remember has ever even really come close to finishing Izzy. No, I mean he had some. He had a bit of a slugfest with Kelvin Gastelum, but he never went down. Like he just got, he just they beat the hell out of each other. But neither one yeah. of them was like out of there. And and that, I guess that's kind of my uh, my thing about Izzy for the like I didn't when when he fought Gastelum like he bit down on his mouthpiece and sucked it up and went through a fucking war. 
I, I couldn't understand why he wasn't willing to do that against Sean Strickland. And maybe it was because of that knockdown early on. Maybe Sean brings, you know, more than we give him credit for, right? Maybe he's got more power than we give him credit for. Maybe, you know, there's something, I don't know, but maybe Sean was just so relaxed about it. Like just didn't give a fuck because it, it, it seems it's so odd watching it. You know, when we watch Sean stand there with straight legs, looking completely unathletic with his left hand down, just throwing jabs, like slipping punches the wrong way. Like everything that if you go to a boxing gym, they're going to, everything you're doing, they're going to tell you is wrong, except for, you know, maybe you got a good jab. Right. <laughs> and, and then he goes in there and beats a guy like Izzy at Izzy's game. It's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it really is. And I think they, they mentioned it in the broadcast last night. And somebody brought it up during pre-fight, but Sean Strickland does actually have weirdly does have good defense on the feet. Like he doesn't get hit a lot. Like he kind of like when he lost to Jared Cannonier, which I, you know, it was a close fight. I'm not going to sit there and re rescore that fight, but even that fight, like Cannonier was very cautious about overextending on Sean Strickland because Sean Strickland's a volume striker. And he also has shown pretty good defense. It's hard to just hit him a lot. You know what I mean? Like Alex Pereira caught him clean and put him out. Credit to Alex Pereira. Of course, he's one of the nastiest, dangerous strikers ever in the history of kickboxing or MMA. But I think Israel, like you could see it, especially in like that third round and that fourth round, like it almost looked like he got frustrated because he couldn't really land anything. Now, to be to to be completely fair, Israel wasn't really throwing as much as you said. At no point did he really throw caution to the wind and just say, "Let's just go, like let's just throw down and see the better man wins." But I think at some points, like he got frustrated, like he was glancing off of off of Strickland. He would glance off the shoulder. He would kind of glance off the side. He would miss. And again, is that is his accuracy or is that Strickland's defense? I think it's more about Strickland's defense because Strickland was in his face all night long. Like Strickland never played the like one two back out game. Like he just stood there. Like he just stood there and just beat up Israel Adesanya. Um, and is he just? He just had no answer. And again, maybe it was that first round. Maybe when he, maybe he, maybe he, maybe he had a little bit of disregard for Sean Strickland. And then he just, when he got knocked down and nearly finished, he just never came back from that. Maybe he got discouraged because when he did throw his punches, he just couldn't land. And then at that point, it was just like everything went from bad to worse. I, I don't know. But I do know the reason why Israel Adesanya lost is because Sean Strickland just beat him in every facet of the game. He would not let Israel settle into any kind of rhythm. He never let Israel get any kind of volume going. Um, he never let Israel control the fight. And that is 100% what every other fighter has done fighting Israel Adesanya with the exception of maybe Alex Pereira because Alex had so much experience with Israel previously. You let Israel control the dance. You let him control the pace, whether that's slow, fast, forward, backwards, whatever it is. You let him dictate it, and you're fighting his style, whether he's playing counterfight or he's coming forward. You play into his style, he will eventually pick you apart and beat you. Sean didn't do that. Sean's just like, fuck it. I'm going to step forward and throw at this guy, and if he knocks me out, he knocks me out. And nothing nothing ever came of that. And you got to love it, right? <laughs> I mean you know, the guy coming in and beating the odds like that. And, you know, you know, you only get one of those chances in your life. You know, most people don't even get that one chance. He got that one chance and he fucking, you know, he took that chance, man. And he went in and, and he performed. 
And you got to really be amazed by that, right? You got to, you got to be impressed. You have to give him the respect for what he did. You know, I know a lot of people don't care too much for his personality and uh, the way he talks and all that kind of stuff, but you got to give him props for what he did uh, last night, man. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't even going to watch the fight. <laughs> I come home. I, I had my guy, a couple of my guys fighting last night uh, down in Cincinnati, two hour drive from here. So I get home right around the time that the fight was starting. So I was like, well, I'm not going to pay, you know, however much money just to watch this one fight that, you know, in, in all, uh, and all, with all respect, you know, I'm like, well, Izzy's going to win this fight. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not even going to watch this fight, but right before I lay down to go to bed, I checked Twitter just to see if anything's going on with the fight. And I see that it, uh, Strickland almost finishes him in round one. And I heard my son downstairs going, whoa, like this, right? So I so I go ahead and come downstairs and hear my son, who's not supposed to have his phone in bed, is sitting there in bed with his phone streaming the fight. Sorry, Dana. <laughs> son, he's 12 years old. You can forgive him. But he's in there streaming the fight. So I lay down in bed with him, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like the collective world of MMA, I think every single person sat – if you read through Twitter and you sat there and you watched that fight, every single person is saying, what in the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and Sean Strickland upset the entire MMA world, not just Izzy. Like he upset everybody that didn't believe in him. So you got to give this guy all the props in the world, man. And I love him for doing it. Yeah, I mean, listen, Sean Strickland is a little wacky. I think we all agree on that. And he's a little out there and he says some things that maybe we don't all agree with. And I don't even know it's things I don't agree with. He just like he just says I think he says wild things just to say them. Like he'll say the things about like women and I just I'm not interested, but I also wonder if part of it's not an act. Like maybe part of it's really who Sean is, but I also think, you know, Sean realizes he strikes a nerve. And so it's like he's going to keep pressing at that nerve. That's what you do. I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if he's really that dude 24-7. Um, I do know some of his teammates and, and people who train with him say he is that, you know, out there. But I also know that a lot of people who train with him and work with him every day love him. They love working with him. They love working with Sean. And um, his head coach, uh, Eric Nixick, is an incredible head coach. Um, I texted. I literally. So here's a funny story. So I listen. We did the podcast, Matt. I said, like, I'm not I'm picking his real out of Sonya I'm not you know I'm not even I'm not even fathoming a world where Sean Strickland wins and boy did it was I wrong so as soon as the fight was over I texted Eric Nixon and I said coach I was wrong I admit I was wrong I'm not even trying to pretend I wasn't wrong congratulations to you and the team and he sent me a message today just saying thank you for everything but it was just funny I was like dude I'll admit it like I was off like I'm not even gonna sit here and fake it. like I was the one guy that picked Sean Strickland nope sure didn't uh but, yeah, I mean, listen, Sean got the job done, and, and he deserves all the praise in the world. Like I said, I don't really care what you think about him. I'm not sitting here saying, like, I'm his biggest fan in terms of, like, some of the weird, crazy things he says, but he's a hell of a fighter, and he went out there. And, I, and again, I'm not taking away Alex Pereira's win. I'm certainly not taking away Jan Blachowicz's win. I'm just saying, in my opinion, Matt, he's the first guy to really go out there, and as you were to use that, you used the word outclassed. He's the first guy to really outclass Israel Adesanya. We've never seen that before. So, man hats off to him and also let's give hats off to eric nixick and the guys at extreme couture i mean when i talked to eric weeks ago and we talked about the fight he was like he admitted he's like oh no no it's a horrible fucking matchup like it's terrible like we know that like we're gonna have to make it ugly we're gonna have to do some some 
odd things. And I think doing what Sean did was odd. He didn't play Israel's game. He didn't stand on the outside. He didn't show any fear of Israel. He didn't show any fear of reprisal. Uh, that is that that's one of those performances where you're like, obviously Sean deserves all the credit because he's the fighter, but let's also give credit to his head coach and the team who broke it down and had a strategy to go in there, beat him. And, and listen to their corner work during the fight. They did an amazing job. I thought they said all the right things. You could tell they they were, you know, Eric works very closely with Sean. You can tell they're close friends and you could tell he knew exactly what to say to him and it rung through to him. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about it being odd, the oddest thing was that it was not odd because Sean Strickland fought Sean Strickland's fight. I like I we were when we were talking about before, I, you know, I was trying to convince you that Strickland has a chance and then you convinced me and <laughs> and then I reconvinced myself. I was like, yeah, I'm completely wrong on saying that. Why? How did I even come up with that? Right. <laughs> and but the original thought that I was coming up with was like, dude, Sean Strickland's going to pull something out different. He's got a lot of skills that we haven't seen, right? Like he's not going to do the standard Sean Strickland fight because that's the worst matchup is Izzy with the the standard Sean Strickland fight. But the odd part was he didn't do anything odd. He went in there and fought the Sean Strickland fight, the way that he fights, the way he fought Alex Pereira and got knocked out for it. Yeah, and, he didn't go. He didn't. He, he didn't go in there shooting for double legs or you know trying to do anything like you thought. Like we thought maybe he could like you know, mix things up and surprise Israel. He did exactly what he always does. They were even telling him to do it in the corner. <laughs> I remember hearing it. Like uh, Eric Nisse was saying, was saying, you know, throw a double leg in there, throw a take it. And Sean just like, no, fuck it. Like I'm just gonna be me and do what I do. And it fucking worked, and it worked beautifully. So it it, it's just. It, it's mind blowing, right? It really is. It really is. So listen, you know, we're, we're all prisoners of the moment, Matt, as soon as the fight's over, we're immediately thinking about what's next. I've had many, many interviews after fights and I'm always like, listen, we're all guilty of this. We all get excited about what comes next, especially after a big win. And I know Dana White, you know, afterwards was kind of like, you know, he was just confused by Israel's performance and he did the thing. And I don't think he was in any way diminishing Sean's win. I think he was just falling into the pattern that we're all guilty of. Like what happened to Israel? You know what I mean? Like we get it. I understand it. Israel's an all time great. And so when he has a bad night, you're like, what happened? I, again, I think it was just Sean Strickland beat him and that's what happened. Um, but Dana was like, you know, oh, I think you do an immediate rematch. You, you, you do it run away. You run it back. And I'm like, why? Like, don't get me wrong. Israel's an incredible champion. Like, he is. And, and I, you know, while this was technically his first title defense because he lost to Pereira and then beat Pereira, like, he's a he's a long-reigning champion. And I've, I've, I don't care. Like, when, when Valentina Shevchenko, who we're going to talk about later, she has a fight with Alexa Grasso in a matter of days. When she lost, she got choked out. But I was like, well, yeah, you give her an immediate rematch. She was like a seven-time defending champion. No one at Flyweight had touched her. Yeah, of course you give her the rematch. In this one, madam, kind of like, why? Like, Israel didn't just get caught. He didn't just get, like, he, it wasn't the Pereira fight where he was up and winning and then he got caught, or the or even the Blahovich fight where he got taken down and it was like, okay, the difference was the wrestling and he just got taken down, couldn't get back up again. He got beat in every facet of the game. He got beat with power punches. He got beat with volume. He got beat with just overall striking. He got beat with uh, control, aggression, every scoring metric in the in the scoring manual. He got beat on Saturday night. So as much as I love Israel Adesanya, and I do, and we talked about this on the last week's podcast, like we love Israel, but I don't justify a rematch off of that. Like 
I, I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't really want to see it again right away. Like, if Israel can come out and get a big win or two, sure. But like, what? I, I don't. I don't really see a reason to run it back right away. Yeah, and I, I've read a lot of those opinions too on on Twitter and Instagram and everything. And actually, I totally get where you guys come from. I'm going to offer a different point though. Like, the reason that he deserves an immediate rematch, in my opinion, and, and not necessarily immediate. Like, I think he needs a little bit of time off first. Like yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's been. I think he must have been one of the most active champions in UFC history. I mean, he's been through the grinder, taking every oncomer. Uh, but the reason that I think he shouldn't have to fight someone else is not because of his performance against Strickland, but because of his accolades leading up, like all the fights that he's done leading up. Like, like you said, like we just said, he's had an extremely busy schedule for a champion. He's completely dominated almost everyone except for prayer. And now Strickland, he's not really completely dominated, but he's had amazing fights. Uh, I think he's earned the right to not have to refight work his way back to a title. I think he's earned the right that he should be able to get a rematch uh, basically anytime he ever loses a title and for the rest of his life. Um, now, whether, you know, again, I think he needs to take time off and whether Strickland takes someone in the meantime, you know, assuming that, that Izzy takes my advice, which who am I to tell him, but, you know, if assuming he does take time off, if Strickland wants someone in the meantime, I think that's totally fair. But I I think based off of Izzy's um, record and you know what he's done his the entirety of his career he he should be able to fight for the title anytime he wants. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're not you're not totally wrong, and I don't totally disagree with that. What I actually really do agree with you though is 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 that I agree Israel needs to take some time off. I think this is like his fourth fight inside like twelve months. Like he fought Cannoneer, he fought. Um, Pereira, he fought Pereira again, and now he fought Strickland. I think that's all within, like, literally within, like, a 11, maybe, like, a 13-month stretch or something like that. Um, yeah, take some time off. Like, I know he loves being active, and I actually kind of joked with him when I interviewed him before the fight, and I said, you're, as champion, you're more active, more active than some of the contenders, and he kind of laughed. He's like, isn't that funny? Well, that's also a, a strain, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really get a break. You don't let your body rest. You don't get your mind right. Um, there's a reason why most champions fight at most twice a year. Like that's pretty common for champions to only fight twice a year. Cause it is a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you there. Take time off. Like that should be number one, take some time off, get your mind, right. Get your body, right. All those kind of things. And if Strickland wants to fight Drakus Duplessis, or maybe he fights the winner of Hamza and Paulo Costa and defends the title, you know, go that route and, and didn't come back from that. And maybe Israel comes back next year and fights someone, you know, maybe it's Strickland, maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I don't totally disagree with that. I'm just basing it on the performance itself. Like if you just base it on the performance, I don't really need to see that one again right away. But if it follows your strategy where at least we say, okay, take six months off, like just take some time off, man. Like just break, take a break and Strickland fights somebody else in the meantime, then I'd be a little bit more after that. I just don't need to see, it's September by January. I don't need to see Adesanya Strickland too, is what I'm saying. Like, I don't need to see that four months from now, five months from now. Like I need, I don't need that right away. Yeah. And I hope that Izzy doesn't need that right away either. And I think that again, the stress of being a champion is just absolutely, you know, nothing we can even comprehend, you know, and I was never champion, but I was you know top contender and the stress of just being right there. It, you know, doesn't even compare to being a champion, you know, between the media responsibilities, the, uh, the people around you, the, 
you know, your schedule. I mean, you know, the, I mean, you're fighting the best guy in the world every single time. Yeah, I mean, that's enough right there in, in of itself, not even minding the outside shit you got to deal with. So, you know, I say, you know, Izzy, take a break, rest up, get mentally healthy, get hungry again. Because yet again, I'm, I'm giving all the credit to Strickland because I think he took everything away from Izzy in that fight. But if there, if there was, if it was just simply Izzy not being himself, which is possible too, but you know, again, we're not going to take credit away from Strickland. If it was Izzy not being himself, the first thing we're going to look to is like he's just had too much of a, a tough schedule, and he was just burned out and was like, "Dude, I don't really feel like fighting tonight." He looked like he was sparring in there, you know. I mean, and that's what it looked like to me, you know, like it was just another day going through the motions, and he he just didn't have that hunger. So maybe a little bit of time off, he'll get that hunger back. And maybe one thing Dana did kind of say last night that I agree is he said, like, you know, you come up with those two fights of prayer. Those two fights of prayer were incredibly emotional. Like, those were, yeah. that was the height of, like, everything you built for, everything you worked for in the sport came crashing down around you, and Alex Pereira did exactly what everyone thought maybe he could, he could do. Because we said at the time, like, Alex Pereira's an incredible fighter, but he didn't really deserve, he didn't earn that. Like, come on now. Like, I mean, no one's going to sit here and say that Pereira went through, walked through fire to get that title shot. He knocked out Sean Strickland, which now looks better than it did at the time, let's be honest. But, like, he didn't have to beat Whitaker. He didn't go through Vittori and Cannoneer and and Paulo Paulo Costa and all those guys like he had one basically one really quality top 10 win and then he got the shot because he had the history and that was like the worst the absolute worst case scenario for Israel Adesanya was to lose to Pereira the guy that was supposed to be his boogeyman and then to come back from that five months later and vanquish Pereira knock him out cold the way he did I mean that is like that is that's it's like it's like uh, Anderson Silva going through those two just really just nasty fights with Chelsea and there was so much bad blood there. He had to pull off a last second win to beat him the first time, but he was losing the fight. And then he came a second time and he just went out there and took it to his shell and beat him. You come out like the emotional low of that, and then you come out of that and you're like, oh, here's Chris Weidman, like, you know, this young up and coming wrestler who's, you know, nice guy and just, you know, a fierce young athlete. Again, not certainly not making excuses for Anderson, and I'm not making excuses for Israel, but like that's and and also he started building this rivalry with Drakus. Like they had started really building a rivalry. There was a lot of bad blood there, and then that goes away, and now here's Sean Strickland. Like again, Sean Strickland deserves all the credit in the world, but all these things combined absolutely could play a factor. And like Israel, like you said, like the emotional letdown of that. Like you went from Pereira, Pereira to Drakus to. Oh yeah, here's random guy Sean Strickland who doesn't really deserve this, but we need you to fight in Australia, so here he is. Yeah, and that's it. again, uh, you know, those are all great points. So, you know, like I said, I think Fizzy takes a little bit of time off. I think it'll it serve him very well. I mean, he's done just such amazing things, and if he comes back and you know goes on another streak like that, you know, wins four or five more fights, you know, I mean, he's going to be getting close to like being one of the greatest ever, right? Especially if he comes back and beat Strickland and, um, you know, comes back and puts on some great performances again. I mean, we know what he's capable of. We've seen him capable of amazing things. And again, I, I don't want to take anything away from Strickland the, this whole time, but like Izzy didn't look like he had anything special in him. Uh, he looked very normal uh, last night. That's all there was to it, right? He looked very normal. And, uh, you know, I'm going to credit Strickland for doing that to him. Uh, but maybe all these other factors play a, p a part also.
Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm you. You. I think you going into the fight. I, I wrongly convinced you. I think you've rightly convinced me here, Matt. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you. I'm okay with him getting rematch as long as it's not right away. Like I just want him to take some time off. Maybe Strickland fights someone else in the meantime. Hamzat maybe he fights uh, Drakus, one of those guys. Let Izzy take six, seven months off. Like that's my. That, I agree with you there. That's my biggest thing. Like I, I'm. I'm certainly no one to give Israel Adesanya advice, but like that would be my advice, dude. Just take a break. Take get your mind right. Get your mind off of it. Enjoy some downtime with your family, your friends. You know, do some fun things. Shoot a movie. Whatever the hell you want to do. And then when you're ready in January, February to start training again, then come back. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that. I think that. I just what I don't want is they're like, okay, we got a card in December. Let's start, you know, January, we're going to see it again. I'm like, no, let's, let's let him have a break. As long as he can take a break and he's willing to take a break, I have far less problem if he comes back to a title shot. But even if it happened in December, like just when you're sitting there mentioned, I say it, it was immediate. I'd have a hard time not getting excited for it. Probably more excited than I was Saturday afternoon for the fight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause because I was not excited at all for that fight yesterday afternoon, right? But if they said, okay, they're fighting again next week, I think I would be more excited than I was last Saturday afternoon. Oh, I would be too. I'd absolutely be way more excited now that we saw it all happen. Like watching it unfold last night, I was like, what is going on here? Um, and so, yeah, I'd be much more excited for the rematch. Um yeah, it was, like I said, I mean, Sean Strickland won. I think that's the, again, I want to give credit where credit is due. Sean Strickland won congratulations to him and i agree you've you've convinced me matt i'm okay if israel comes back and gets the rematch as long as he takes a break i just don't want to see it immediately because you're like you rush a guy back in there is is really that much going to change if you don't let him just kind of like decompress from all this and and, you know he's been a super active champion the emotional rivalry of Pereira and all that kind of stuff let him take a little break. Let him get some vacation time. Let him get a break, and then maybe we'll run it back next year, and we'll see a different result. Maybe it'll be the same result. I guess we'll find out at that point. But I just, I just don't want. I when, when Dana says like immediate rematch, I'm just like, eh, you know, I just, you know, it's, it's like, it's like Strickland went out there and put on the perfect game plan, beat Israel Adesanya four rounds to one, and his reward is let's do it again. Like, you know, like I don't know. I mean, it's just me. I, that was kind of my initial reaction when he said it. So. Keep it real, like if Izzy literally just disappeared like a ghost for a few months, and then he, like we could, he, we could, that fight would be easy to hype up him saying, I'm coming back and I'm going to beat his ass this time. You know what I'm saying? Like that would get me pretty hyped up. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But yeah, take a break first. I think you're right. You need to take a break. Just get away from it all. Um, real quick before we get to the the next card, which is the Noche UFC card coming up next weekend. Um, Taito Ivasa went out there and had another tough night. He lost with an Ezekiel choke, which is a very rare submission to see without a gi on. Uh, only the fourth time in UFC history to see that twice by Alexi Olenek and once by Rimko Pardue all the way back in the day. Uh, Ty's now lost three in a row. Uh, tough spot, man. It was a tough spot for a couple of the Australians on the top of the card, man. Like Ty, obviously Israel's from New Zealand and, and well, Nigeria and New Zealand, but, uh, from that area, it's like, man, that's a rough night for the Australian crowd. Ty goes out there and loses and Alexander Volkov looked great, man. Like that was a brilliant performance of Volkov. Like he never let Ty get going. Like Ty's whole, like, let's just step into the pocket and throw Volkov's like, nope, not going to do that. 
uh, and he just beat him up, beat up his legs, took him down, choked him. It was a really good performance for Volkov, and uh, yeah, really good performance for Sean Strickland. Nice. So I said, well, you know, I wish I could comment on more. I wasn't <laughs> able to watch it all last night because I had two guys fighting. Uh, my one guy, Big Cam, he went four and zero, got a first round knockout last night. He's the toughest guy he's fought so far. Um, and then I had to usually I get up early on Sunday morning and watch the fights. Usually I don't even stay up to watch the all the fights anyway. I just wake up early on Sunday and watch. But I had to get up early today to start building my foundation for my Redwood sauna that's coming next week. Very stoked about that. So it's been a long, hard day for me, man. <laughs> building the, getting, the sauna, getting the sauna in. I, see, I saw the picture on Instagram. So getting the sauna, they're going to be putting it in this week. Well, I'll be putting it in this week. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm putting the whole – yeah, like I – you know, I've done tons of construction throughout my life. So I know how to build all this stuff and had a couple of friends over and my kids helped me out. And so now we got the foundation in, we got the platform ready next week. My son is going to be here. And I mean, I'm, I'm more stoked about this. I couldn't, the, the day I got the sponsorship, I couldn't even sleep that night. I've been <laughs> so stoked about this. It, like, it's almost as exciting as signing a fight contract. I mean, this is like one of the happiest days of my life. It's like, <laughs> like, like it was as good as like when I had my kids or something, you know. Hey, you know, support those who support you, man. It's cool that they 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 stepped up and are supporting you. Uh, and and what is it again? Redwood, Redwood. What is it again? Yeah, so it's Redwood Outdoors. I think it's RedwoodOutdoors.co, and um, they're just one of the best sauna companies out there. Dustin Myers, my strength and conditioning coach, has one of their saunas, and um, ever since he got his, you know, I was reaching them out out to him and. I wouldn't say begging, but I was like, Hey, come on, like guys, let's work out something together. Right. We finally did. We finally came to an agreement. And, um, and so I'm going to be one of their brand ambassadors. And so if anybody wants one of their saunas, I got a code now immortal Two you'll save 250 bucks off of a sauna. And, um, they're just a great company, man. Like they make really great saunas. Um, you know, the one that I'm getting has a little porch on it and it's, made out of thermo wood which is different than you know just regular cedar wood and um it's just well put together it's easy to build and man like i said i'm a great heater and everything man so i'm I'm just so excited and um like i said i spent most of the day today so now i'm tired and sore that's why i'm sitting on my couch today doing a podcast i'm just wore out brother. like i was carrying, carrying gravel all day and and paver stones and you know, I built a little deck and stuff. Yeah, so I'm just wore out. You know what you need? A, a trip to the sauna is what you need. War. Uh, a thousand percent. That that would maybe be more. Or an ice bath, you know. The Redwood also has ice baths, and I'm going to get one of those next. But that would be – that would do work wonders tonight for sure. But next week, I'll have a son of a bitch in. Hopefully next week. Maybe next weekend or, or after next week. I love it. I love it. Real quick before we move on, I want to talk about Valentina Shevchenko and Lexi Grasso. One other thing I wanted to mention before we move on, I know you only watched the one fight, so I don't know how much you even heard it last night, but Laura Sanko did commentary on pay-per-view for the first time alongside Daniel Cormier and John Anik. And I know you and I both raved about Laura, like not only getting the shot when she first got it, when she first did it, she was tremendous, man. And I want to I want to give credit where credit is due. Listen, I like the commentary teams of the UFC. I think Michael Bisping does a great job. I love Paul Felder. Um, you know, I, I love the dynamic that, you know, obviously Joe Rogan's been around forever and he's a huge, you know, obviously he's got a huge fan base and a, he's been on pay-per-views forever. But 
Like, I'm not sitting here saying anyone should lose anyone's job. Let me be clear about that. But, man, more Laura Sanko is all I'm saying. Like, she really brought something to that broadcast last night. Like, she was so analytical and so smart. I think she made – like, I think the key to a good commentator, Matt, is you make the people around you better. And she made a DC a better commentator, and she made John Anik's job easier. Like, I think that is, to me, the, the mark of a great commentator. And I just want to give a huge a huge shout to Laura Sanko, man. She absolutely killed it. Yeah, that's a great point because when I was listening, and I only watched the main event, but when I was listening, I kept, boy, she's doing a great job. And I didn't know what it was that she was doing such a great job of, but I think you hit the nail right on the head. She made everybody else, brought the entire level up. And uh, like Joe Rogan is so fucking good at it. Like, I mean, he's the the king. He's the king of podcasting. He's the king of commentating. It's almost like nobody can even come up to his level. But like you said, Laura brought everybody else up, though. Yeah, know, about, yeah, that's a great way to put it, man. Yeah, I, I, and like, listen, you know, it, the opportunities will be there because we know Joe doesn't travel internationally, so you know the UFC travels a lot now, so it's going to give Laura a chance to hopefully do those pay per views. I just think she did a good job. I mean, I listen. I'm not listen. I I'm not certainly certainly not saying that, like Daniel Cormier is my guy. I think he's turned into one of the best commentators in the sport. And I know the dynamic he's built with Rogan and Anik is incredible. Like I wouldn't be totally opposed to see what Rogan and and Sanko could do at some point. Like maybe DC has a weekend off. He's got a wrestling tournament. Let Sanko step in there with Rogan. I think that'd be a fun dynamic. Like I think she's just I think she's just incredible at her job, and uh, she did a phenomenal. Like I said, like you said, we all know Joe Rogan is as you said he's the king. He's been around forever. Uh, It's it took us forever. It took us forever to get used to not having Mike Goldberg saying like, you know, and it is all over. Took us a while to get past that. I don't know that we'd ever move on from Joe Rogan's animated, like, you know, finishes and the way he, you know, when he, when he freaks out, when a finish happens, a big knockout, we kind of, we've become accustomed to that. So I don't want that to go away. Certainly don't want that to go away. Uh, but like I said, man, you know, when you can throw in a, a Laura Sanko every now and again, man, I love it. I think she did, you know, First pay-per-view, I thought she did a tremendous job. So maybe Rogan and Sanko at some point. Maybe DC's got a wrestling thing or something coming up. Maybe she can step in and, and go one-on-one with Ray, with Rogan. That'd be fun. Yeah, it sounds like fun to me, man. Yeah. Or even, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. She killed it. Um, all right. So we're coming off of a weekend where, you know, where Israel Adesanya was clearly favored to be the winner and he was, you know, I mean, he was the he was the guy. We all knew that. And then obviously Sean Strickland pulled off the upset. Next Saturday night, we're kind of going in a little bit of a, a weirder situation, where Alexa Grasso pulled off an incredible finish to beat Valentina Shevchenko to become flyweight champion. Now they're going to run it back and do it all over again. Now, I've not spoken to Alexa Grasso, so I don't want to sit here and like certainly not being biased. But I spoke to Valentina two days ago, and. To say she sounds like scary focused is an understatement. Like she, I won't say she seemed pissed off. That's probably the wrong wording, but like, she just seemed so focused on beating Alexa Grasso and proving that like, she is the better fighter. I am way excited for this fight and I'm super curious how it's going to play out because Alexa Grasso in the world, like she shook up the world by beating Valentina Shevchenko the way she did the last time made the most of an advantage where, Valentina threw a spin kick. She missed. Alexa took her down and choked her out. It was incredible. Um, I'm so excited for this rematch and, and to see where it's going to go. Did Val- Was it a fluke, so to speak? Did, did she? Was it just an upset and Valentina's back? Or 
You know, did Alexa just have her number and Alexa's about to do it again? I'm so fascinated by this matchup. Who you got? I mean, listen, I picked Valentina the I picked Valentina the last time because I I believe she's, you know, next to Amanda Nunes, possibly the number 2 all time, you know, behind Amanda. Um her last two fights were a little worrisome, you know, when she had a really close fight with Tyler Santos. Now, again, certainly not making excuses, but Valentina went into that with a foot injury and she couldn't move. It was a weird fight where she just wasn't being nearly as like lateral in her movement and, and wasn't as quick on her feet. And that and Tyler took advantage of that by taking her down and things like that. And I was like, why would you, why would you fight that fight when you need to be, you know, quick and limber on your feet and you have basically walking in there with one foot again, credit where credit's due. The fight with Alexa wasn't that lopsided. Was Valentina winning? Yeah, she was winning the fight, but it wasn't like this lopsided fight where Valentina was just beating her up like she did, uh, you know, Lauren Murphy or some of the other defenses she's had. But I, dude, I can't, it's just hard for me to pick against Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, maybe this is the changing of the guard. Maybe this is the moment where the division is caught up to her and Alexa Grasso is just the, you know, the kryptonite, so to speak, to Alexa Grasso or to uh, Valentina Shevchenko, the way that Sean Strickland was to Israel Adesanya. But I'm just a big believer in Valentina and seeing how laser focused she was. Uh, again, maybe I'm just because I spoke to her, just, I don't know, there was just a different demeanor to her where, like, there was no smiling. There was no, like, you know, happy. I don't know. I always get, like, a little bit of, like, a happy vibe for Valentina, even though she goes in there and becomes a killer. This time it was just like, she actually said to me, she's like, I'm going to go in there and I'm seeking to destroy my opponent or something to that effect. I was like, damn, like she's just seems laser. But again, like I said, we'll see. How about you? What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. So I think a lot of times, again, I don't want to take anything away from Strickland, but you know, when you look at the champions, like they can only, it's hard, very difficult to maintain being a champion for a very long time. And particularly when you when you think about like it, it gets harder and harder to bring in guys that push you. Um, you start getting a little bit comfortable with you know just being the best in the world. Things start getting a little bit easier. You start uh, even just in your life in general, everything start everything starts coming easier to you. Like everybody wants to be around you, you know. So I think it's very easy to lose as a champion. And when they do lose, and this is why I think again, I would be excited to see Izzy fight again. Uh, um, even Strickland uh, see him fight even in a, an immediate rematch because sometimes that loss is what they need to humble them and remind them, you know, they're not, uh, you know, they are still human it just reminds them that, that, that there's it, still a possibility. You can still lose motherfucker. <sighs> and I think just from what I've seen with Shevchenko, from what I know about her and my, um, interactions with her she seems to me like the type who's going to take this and say fuck no i'm coming back and i'm going to smash this shit <laughs> and i think she has the ability to do that so i i'm going to go with valentine i think that you know again as a champion like you got to be firing on all a cylinders at some point after you've been doing it long enough and everybody's on your nuts and and life starts becoming a little too easy like one of those cylinders starts falling off, right? And that next hungry guy might not even be as good as you, but he's firing on all eight cylinders, and that's all it takes. I think that's what happened with Valentina, and I think Alexa Grasso is an amazing competitor, but it's Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, I mean, and I think that. Yeah, I just Valentina is, and and the thing about Valentina is Valentina is so well rounded. Like she can throw everything at you. She can beat you on the feet. She can beat you on the ground. 
Um, and you're right. Like we all, we're all, we all, we all, we are all guilty of this at some point when we are so, when we are riding so high on somebody that, you know, that, how does that not get to them a little bit? And I certainly don't think Valentina got a big head about herself thinking I, I'm unbeatable. I don't think that, but I think what you're saying is right. Like she just, you're cruising through wins. You're just, you know what I mean? It gets to a point and everything kind of builds up and it's almost like you need that to, to just fire you up and get you motivated. Like no one wants to lose. I certainly know that, but it's almost like that, that moment you needed that. Like, I think in a weird way, like I think Israel needed to lose to Pereira because when he came back, he had a different fire about him. Um, and then again, you know, maybe it just got snuffed out by Sean Strickland, but um, I think that was the thing, like, because uh, Alexa Grasso, very good fighter. I mean, Alexa's exceptional, but no one looked, no one, that almost had the same feeling as the Strickland fight, where it's like, no one was really picking Alexa Grasso. Like, let's be honest, she was a huge underdog. She just seemed like the next person. She didn't seem like the person suited to beat Valentina Shevchenko. She was just like, okay, we need a contender. She hasn't fought for it yet. Blanchfield isn't quite ready. Mano Fior isn't quite ready. Let's go with Alexa Grasso. And, you know, and okay. And then Alexa goes in there and has some really close rounds with Valentina, gives her a really tough fight, and then, of course, seizes on the mistake, gets her down on the ground, chokes her out. Wow, we're all amazed. But I don't think anyone going into that fight was like, that. that's what we expected. I know some people picked her. I'm certain, I, I know that happened, but... Um, yeah, I just think that's like the wake up call that she needs. You know what I mean? Like it was like a wake up call. And it's like, again, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say like, you know, like, I don't want to speak for Valentina Strachenko, but I've interviewed her dozens of times, Matt. I've interviewed her before. I think every fight she's had in the UFC since like her second fight, if I'm not mistaken, second or third fight I've interviewed her every single time. And we kind of, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to her because she travels a lot. You know, she travels all over the world. And I always like joke with her. I was like, I live vicariously through your travels. Cause every time I'm on her Instagram, she's in like Thailand and Japan and like all these cool places. And I'm like, Oh, it's kind of, it's awesome to see you do that. And I brought up this time and she, I was like, cause she was in Thailand and I was like, Oh, Thailand, you know, be on the beach, blah, blah, blah. She was like, Oh yes. I was on the beach on my days off, but I lived in Thailand when I trained here, you know, when I was a Muay Thai champion, uh, I was here to train. I wasn't here to enjoy myself. I was here to train. And I was just like, damn. Like, there's just like a different, like, you know, we kind of joked around about it. Like, she loves being on the road and loves traveling. And I was like, cool. Nope, none of that. There was no, like, I traveled for fun. I didn't travel to be near a beach. I didn't travel to, you know, go explore something new. No, no. I traveled to Thailand to get ready because I want to beat Alexa Grasso's ass. It was, that was the sense I got from Valentina. And that's a scary lady right there. I love that. And, uh, you know, when you think about it too, like I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people forget maybe, especially when they become champion and again, we get on everybody's nuts and everything and, and they get pumped up so much. Um, it gets a little bit boring for them too, right? They kind of maybe forget like where they came from. And you, I think like Anderson Silva is a great example. You could tell like he was getting bored and they're just doing what he could do to guys. Right. So he was like, okay, well, what kind of insane thing could I take a risk and do? And when you think about something like, like Valentina, you know, throwing a spinning kick and getting taken down, choked out, like, like you, you got you. We always forget in this sport, like there is always a path to victory for the opponent. You know, we're like, uh, I just tweeted last week. I don't see a path to victory. I've seen that, I've that the last two weeks and both the times or last two fights, and both times I've been proven wrong. Right, so it's almost like a fucking curse now, right? But. <laughs> 
there's always a path to victory. There's always some, some part of a, a fighter's game that's going to be better than your part of your game, right? Maybe it's a Darce choke. Maybe it's a, an overhand right. Maybe, you, you know, it's a rolling omoplata heel hook shit. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always some something out there because there's too many aspects of the game. You can't be top best at every single thing. And we all practice everything. And when you kind of forget about that and you kind of get a little bit too experimental uh, and forget about what your base is and what where you need to funnel people and keep them so that you're guaranteed to be dominant. Um, I think that happens to these champions sometimes when they start getting all these long streaks and pumped up too much. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like I said, I'm going Valentina. I won't be shocked if Alexa Grasso wins. Like, she's a really, really good fighter. And I think she opened a lot of eyes with that performance to go out there. And again, even just in, even keeping things close against Valentina was super impressive. And then to obviously choke her out. Uh, I'm picking Valentina to win, but I won't be shocked that Alexa gets it done. I think I just think the flyweights are really good right now. The flyweights the best division in women's MMA right now. Uh, I don't think the gap is nearly as wide as it once was, but and it's not because Valentina's lost a step. I totally disagree with that. I just think everyone else around her is getting better. Alexa's great. Aaron Blanchfield's great. Mano Fiore's great. Like it's just a deep division. It just took a little while to get there. Like uh, you know, Valentina was at a ten for a while. Everyone else was at like a six. Now we're just getting everyone else up to an eight or a nine now. And so they're equaling out to what Valentina is. And that's, I think that's all that's happening here. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And those guys coming up to, or those girls coming up to eights and nines, like you're saying, you know, Valentina has to stay at that 10 and keep people in her game. She starts exploring a little too much and try and play with other things or, or leaving small openings for them to get into their game where they do have that strength over her that's when it's going to make a problem. And that's when you tell me how focused she is now and she's ready to come back. I don't see her taking a lot of chances. I see her going out there and pushing her game hard as she can and going back to what she does. Um, not that she really strayed so far away from it or anything, but you know, I see her, I see her doing really well in this fight. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick, another fight this card. I want to get your thoughts and maybe a pick from you, Matt, uh, Jack Della Madalena taking on Kevin Holland. In the co-main event, great, great fight. I know for like a very brief period of time, a couple of days, you were getting ready for Jack Della Maddalena with your guy, Josiah Harrell, um, helping him get ready. Um, real quick, Kevin Holland against Jack Della Maddalena. You lean one way or the other on this one? Yeah, you know, I studied Jack pretty well, actually. You know, I was kind of replicating him for Josiah a little bit. I mean, it was only, what, a week, I think. So <laughs> I think it was only two or three days we actually trained for that fight, but we trained together all the time. But... You know, when I watch uh, Kevin and and Jack style versus style, I have a hard time not fi not finding a way that Kevin's going to find a way to win this fight. I mean, he he's he's just on a, a mentally he's on a, a great level right now. He's or a great place right now. He seems like, and I think he's really discovering himself as a fighter and where he is. You know who he is. Um. And I mean, he does some just so many things really well, and he's so long. And um, so I, I definitely lean towards Holland in that fight. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I, I, I was, I'm, I still, I'm super high on Jack. I think Jack's a great fighter, but. You know, outside of Wonder Boy, you know, and listen, I know Hamza beat Holland. You know, again, that that's not a fair metric to me when you're getting ready to fight 
you know, one guy and you end up fighting freaking when you're getting ready to fight Daniel Rodriguez and you end up fighting Hamza Chamayev, that's a remarkably different fight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad he took it and got paid, but come on now. Like, no one's going to say, like, he was fighting a boxer and he's going against, like, one of the most dominant wrestlers in the sport. That's a big change. Okay. So, again, certainly not making excuses, but, you know, it is what it is. Wonderboy beat him. But Wonderboy is one of the best strikers ever in this sport. Outside of that, Kevin Holland has looked really damn good at welterweight. I mean, he took out Ponzinibbio, knocks out Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's a really good fighter. He chokes out Michael Chiesa, who's a good fighter. I'm super high on Kevin Holland, and I think this is I think this is going to be his night. I'm with you. I think he's going to find a way. And, uh, you know, Jack's a super offensive fighter, really, really aggressive offensive fighter. That can come back to bite you sometimes. And when you're fighting another guy who's got incredible offense, knockout power, long range, uh, just a great mix of weapons, um, ground game, all that. I, I think this is a recipe for Kevin Holland to win. Yeah, yeah. Say it's, it's at long range, man. And and I, I just don't see Jack having the athleticism. You know, like that's the, like the long range and the athleticism of Kevin Holland. And, and he's got balls, too. Like he's not afraid to – you just throw what it what he needs to throw when he needs to throw it and with that athleticism he can throw things that you're not supposed to throw when you're not supposed to throw them but still throw them and you know what i mean it's just a he's just, he has a, some very strange weapons you know and and you know when you talk about like him fighting wonder boy like anytime you fight wonder boy it's just a matchup thing you know i don't necessarily consider him one of the best strikers i mean he's one of the most unique strikers and when he gets against someone who doesn't fight him right or, you know, matches up in the wrong way, he's going to demolish him. But if, you know, when you, we've seen it multiple times, you know, with like when I fought him, when uh, like Masvidal fought him, um, I think it was uh, Pettis knocked him out too, right? Pettis then, knocked him out. Masvidal you know, didn't. He, he beat up Masvidal. That was one that Wonderboy beat up Masvidal. But yeah, Pettis beat him. Pettis, Pettis knocked him out with the Superman punch. Yeah. Pettis said I was thinking of, you know, just certain guys, you know, when you, when it, He's really, to me, like a matchup guy. So, and and Holland, the way that he that Holland fought him, I thought was, uh, you know, interesting. Like it, it's like he didn't strategize or anything. So, um, but I think it's going to match up wise, style wise. I think it works pretty well for Holland in this fight. You know, it'd be fun. And again, we'll talk about this next week. Uh, if Holland wins, I think him and Ian Machado Gary would be a really fun fight. I think it'd be a great fight. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, that'd be a great one. Uh, real quick, man, before we get out of here, we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We were kind of joking around talking about the high level boxing that we're about to see between Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis. Did you see what happened? Dylan Dennis got sued and got a restraining order put against him. You you were complimenting his trash talk, and then like, dude, the hammer got dropped. <laughs> Was that? Did that happen a couple of weeks ago? Was that no? It was like week? it was like it was just just like five days ago, four or five days ago. Yeah, uh, Logan Paul's fiance Nina Agdal filed a lawsuit against him and filed a restraining order against him. I was like, damn. Well, I guess this just got real. Yeah, well, I mean, fair enough, right? Like, hey, Dylan's dropping bombs, bro. <laughs> like, I wouldn't expect anything else out of her. You know, maybe if she, if she didn't put out those fucking videos and shit then he wouldn't have the material but when you put yourself out there like that it's what you get yeah i don't know like the one thing the one thing in the lawsuit that i read that was kind of interesting is like you know and again these are accusations nothing's been proven but like i guess some of the videos apparently came from her snapchat which she believes was hacked 
Now that's a problem. If that actually happened, then Dylan Dennis has got some problems. If he actually like hacked or had pay, paid someone to hack her stuff, that's an issue. But yeah, I mean, listen, like I said, I don't know. It's just like, it's so funny. Like that's how deep it's gone with these two. And it's like, it's like the weirdest fight ever. Like it's not even really that great of a fight. Like Dylan Dennis is a jujitsu guy against Logan Paul, who, you know, kind of boxes like he kind of does. It's not like he's, he's not even in like Jake's shoes where he's like, I'm serious. I want to be a champion. He's like, eh, I'll box a couple times and I'll do a huge fight with Mayweather and just fuck around. Uh, it's so weird. Like yeah, where this is going. I love this. Uh, like, like is fucking retarded of a person as he is and everything. You got to love him for this whole thing, bro. Like he's just, this has been the best internet troll trash talk media hype pump up pre-fight shit that i've ever fucking seen bro this guy has just pulled out all the stops i'll tell you this dylan danis like i was i was sick of dylan danis these last couple of years because it's just talk 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 and oh, yeah, right? and i was like yeah, yeah. just like yeah. but i'll give him credit man like he's just like he went nuclear on this one and he boy did he find a did he find a button to press and he just went off and clearly i mean listen do I do I uh, do I uh, do I want someone to get their social media hacked? If that's what actually happened, certainly not. I'm not certainly advocating for that. That should not happen. But the photos and the accusations and like you know whatever else is out there. And again, you live a public life. Um, I don't think people who live public lives should not be able to have private lives. But when you live a very public life and when you're putting your business out there on social media, like you know photos or information you live you know there are certain people like you would never know they have a private life because guess what they don't put it out there like they don't put anything on social media they don't they don't give you the ammo i guess is what i'm saying you know her job as a model and as a social influencer is to put it out there so dylan just went nuclear and turned it back against i was just like like it like it's like i i follow him on twitter and like some of the stuff just get like i was be on my feet and i was like good lord does this guy like train like does he train or is he just on google like what's going on here but it like i said it certainly worked because uh he went he went he obviously pissed her off and and certainly it seems like he got under logan's skin too it worked because just like we were saying a minute ago a year ago, we didn't give a fuck about Dylan Dennis. We we're so sick of hearing his name and we would have never brought it up on this podcast, but here we are talking about it now because this dude fucking pulled out all the stops and now everybody's talking about it. He's, I think I looked at his followers on Twitter. I mean, he's got close to like a million followers now. This dude just fucking came out, of, like hasn't done a single thing except be like the laughing stock of the jiu-jitsu and combat sports world. And, and now all of a sudden he's got a million followers. Well, you know, it's crazy as you'd think, as I said this like forever ago, like when you're like, cause Jake Paul is a pretty good talker and he lives on social media. And like, there was a time when like some people were going back and forth and I was like, this is, this is a losing proposition. Cause this is what this guy does. Like he lives to troll people. Like that's what Jake Paul did for a long time. He trolled people. That's not a war you're going to win with a guy like that. And you'd kind of think the same thing with Logan, right? Like that's what he does. He's an influencer. He's a social media guy. But boy, I'd say what, listen, Logan Paul may knock him out inside the first round. It may be the ugliest boxing match in history, but in terms of the pre-fight war, it's like 10-7 Dylan Dennis. It is not even remotely close. Like It is like the cake thing. He, he made him the, the cake for the thing at the press conference. That was kind of funny. But outside of that, it's been 10-7 Dylan Dennis.
Yeah, yeah, I agree. But hey, that's the great thing about fighting, right? Like you can talk all this shit. You can fucking, you know, have better cars, have more money, be more popular. Doesn't matter when we step in there and fight. That's when that's what matters. Who's gonna win the fucking fight, right? Logan Paul's probably gonna whoop his fucking ass, <laughs> and ultimately he'll be the one standing when Dylan is probably on his ass. So, you know, I think Dylan might give him better fight than most people think, but ultimately like Logan's probably going to fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that's the beautiful part about the world, man. You know, a dude talks all this shit. And now you can, yeah, you got your chance to go knock the motherfucker out for it. Violence, violence solves everything. Isn't that the quote? So, <laughs> That's my quote, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, man, who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, certainly this is, let me be clear when I say this, skill level, vastly different. But let's not forget, like, some of the, I mean, there were some truly, like, all, like eye-popping moments during those press conferences where Conor McGregor was zinging Floyd Mayweather left and right. Like, he made, there were some moments where it was, like, 10-7 Conor in the trash talk. But in the fight, you know, now again, skill levels vastly different. Floyd Mayweather's an incredible boxer, but like he didn't fight outside himself. Floyd did what Floyd does. Like he didn't go in there and go crazy and pissed off and try to take off Conor's head. He fought like Floyd always does, and then he went out there and knocked out Conor McGregor. Um, we'll see. Maybe this will get to Logan. Maybe Logan will fight outside himself. Maybe he'll go in there all pissed off and amped up and charge forward. And dude, like I said, it did work with Jose Aldo. I still to this day think Jose Aldo was so pissed off at Conor McGregor he just went out him and he got knocked out for it it can work it can work that's that's very true yes yeah so we'll see man like it's <laughs> we're all gonna watch the motherfucker right yeah that, I that's mean, the thing about this whole goddamn thing i don't want to watch it but i'm gonna watch it i don't want to talk about it but we're sitting here talking about it <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's it's kind of fun and, and Dylan actually made this one fun. Hey, if Dylan had never done that shit, would you even actually be interested in this fight? You probably wouldn't even care. But until but until they started getting deep into some real shit talking, and then Dylan started pulling out like the like you said the nuclear bombs. Now the interest level has peaked in this fight, and it's probably gonna sell a lot of fucking pay per views for it. It is, it is, and also to speaking of like things that like don't make a lot of sense. I'm assuming you didn't watch it. Maybe you heard about it or read about it on Twitter or whatever. They did the first press conference between Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. That was a lot of fun. Francis, you know, held his own, had some good lines in there. You know, Tyson is definitely out there and kind of like a real boisterous dude. But let me just say one thing. We'll close out on this, Matt. Tyson Fury is, I mean, one of the best boxers of a generation. Maybe the best boxer of this generation, heavyweight boxer of this generation, without a doubt. And you and I have both openly said, I think we've said, you know, we, we're both going to pick Tyson Fury to beat Francis Ngannou in a boxing match. Does Francis have what Joe Rogan called a nuclear option? Sure. Could he land a punch and put him away? Yeah, and it's heavyweight, so there's always that risk. But realistically, you and I are both going to pick Tyson Fury to win, right? I think that's fair to say, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tyson Fury, though, is like, I'll beat you in a boxing ring and then I'll beat you in the cage. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow down here. Like, this is, I, this is not like, it's not going to happen. First off, it's not going to happen. But let's just say, hypothetically, it does. Let's say Tyson goes out there and beats Francis Ngannou and beats him in a seven round fight, knocks him out in the seventh round. Awesome. Not totally shocked. 
Stop saying you're going to go to a cage fight and beat Francis Ngannou. If Francis Ngannou is like a 10-to-1 underdog against you in boxing, you're going to be a 1,000-to-1 underdog against him in MMA. I understand you are a great boxer. Boxing is not MMA. MMA is a lot harder. No offense. I'm not. This is not a knock on boxing. The amount of weapons that you have in boxing, like the amount of you have two weapons in boxing in terms of offensive weapons. You have your left hand and your right hand. In MMA, you have a plethora of weapons, and it takes a long time to learn them all. Let's just stop saying crazy things. I agree, and I don't, I don't think "harder" is the right word for it, but it's different. That's for sure. And but the problem, and I, I like Tyson does have a good point though. Like Francis mainly boxes in MMA too. Like he's not a big leg kicker. He's not a big clinch guy. He's not a big elbow guy. Like he's mainly a, a boxer. So I get where Tyson's coming from. But if Francis gets his ass kicked in boxing and then comes over to MMA and tries to box with him again in an MMA fight, then shame on Francis and Gano, right? But like, even that, there. but even that though, boxing in MMA is still different than boxing is boxing. Like the way you the way you throw punches and the way you box in MMA is still vastly different. That's why we always say while it is be. easy, yeah, while it is easier to transition from MMA to boxing because you already have some of those basic skills, it's still a different, like, different style. The way you stand, your legs, positioning, all those different things because you have to prepare for takedowns, you have to prepare for leg kicks, all those things you, that know, you care. To some, extent, to some extent, yes, but but also there's not, like, one specific way to stand in boxing. There's not one specific way to throw punches. There's what we call the correct way. There's the technique that people teach and stuff, but, like, you know, Prince Hasim Nemed, he didn't follow those techniques, right? You know, so like there's not necessarily like one specific way. Like Floyd Mayweather punches vastly different than Manny Pacquiao and vastly different than Tyson Fury and vastly different from uh, uh, Usyk, right? So, in, you know, so I don't, I, I personally, I never like to narrow it down to like, you know, this is how we do it in MMA and this is how we do it in boxing. Like, all the boxers have their styles, all the MMA guys have their styles, and it comes down to matchups. So, and that's why I said, look, if, if Francis tries, you know, if they end up fighting in MMA and Francis does just box with them, like shame on him. Like you, if he uses all the weapons, of course he, he should destroy Tyson in an MMA fight. But if he stands there and boxes with them, yeah, after he just got beat in a boxing match, it's ridiculous. Who is the, who is the, what is the weight class in boxing? Who is the around like welterweight where you fight 170? What is, cause I always lose track of like what weights are weights in, in, in boxing. Who is the, who is the closest to 170 pound champion in boxing right now? Like who's the best guy in the world around that weight? Well, Canelo's 168. Okay. Super middle. Okay. So Canelo Alvarez versus Matt Brown. How badly would that fight go for Canelo Alvarez in MMA? In MMA. Like I'm just saying, like that's the reality of it. Like I love Canelo. Yeah, He's amazing. He ain't beating you in an MMA fight. Yo, like I wouldn't box with him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I wouldn't be throwing hands at all. Like I would kick his leg once and he'd probably be done or, you know, <laughs> give him one kick or, a, or an elbow or a head. Kick, you know what I mean? That, but the, so I get where you're, where you're coming from. And, you know, if we box, like he'd kick my ass too. Right. So, you know, it's a fair game, but you know, I'm not that guy that's going to be like, oh, I want to fight Canelo next, right? <laughs> so, but if I tried to box with him in MMA, that'd be my fucking dumbass, right? Like, yeah. like there's strategy to this shit, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you throw one elbow, one leg kick, 
it's probably not going to end well for Canelo or anyone else. That's that's what I'm saying. Like I'm just I know it's just for fun. I get it. He's just being, you know, whatever. But like you know, come on now. Like and again, maybe if he knocks out Francis Ngannou, maybe his confidence will soar, and he's like, let's do it again in MMA. But it's just like the Jake the Jake Paul Nate Diaz thing. Like Jake Paul, and you know, again, Jake Paul is. 20 pounds heavier than Nate Diaz, but let's just stop saying crazy things. And on day one, your first day in mixed martial arts, you're going to beat Nate Diaz in a fight. You're not. You're not. Yeah. I mean, the guy's, big, the guy's big as Jake Paul. I'd give him a good chance, actually, because he I can guess, wrestle, too. He can't, though. Where does this, this narrative that Jake Paul can wrestle is is so out there. He was not, he, he wrestled, oh, he, he was he, a, he wrestled as a freshman in high school and he quit. Was it Logan then? Logan, Logan was a, Logan was a fifth place finisher here in Ohio. Jake wrestled one year and then stopped wrestling. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought Jake was the wrestler. Yeah, okay. no, Logan was the wrestler. Yeah. Logan was legitimately a good wrestler in the state of Ohio, but Logan's older, and by the time Jake got to high school, they were already starting to get famous for their like whatever Vine or whatever the hell they did. So he re- <laughs> he wrestled older? as a fresh. He wrestled as a freshman and then never wrestled again. I believe that's right. But Logan's the older one. I didn't. Yeah, I Logan's. Was no, Logan's the older one. Logan's the older one. Logan was legitimately a fifth place finisher here in Ohio. But again, still high school wrestling. But I'm just saying, like, and the well, only- fair enough. But I'm, I would still argue that that with you because again, Nate Diaz boxes in MMA and he doesn't have good, doesn't have very good takedowns. Now he might pull guard against Jake Paul, but I think Jake would be prepared for that, and I think it's oh. easy to prepare for. No, I think he catches him one guillotine and it's over, just like they did in the boxing match. He ducks his head one time and Jake doesn't. How's he going to catch him in a guillotine? He's going to jump on his head. I mean, any, dude, he could throw a flying triangle. I don't, I don't think it really matters. And and also, just to be clear, Jake Paul should not be fighting Nate Diaz in MMA because Jake Paul is a 185 pounder. Nate Diaz is a 155 pounder. That's the advantage. The weight would be the advantage. You put Jake Paul in there with any middleweight that we know their name, like outside of just some random dude, uh, he's going to get absolutely mauled in his first fight. You should. That's why you learn. You learn and you grow and you become a fighter. Like you're not gonna, you're you're not gonna throw Jake Paul in there with Hamzat Shemaev and he's gonna have a chance. Uh, you know what I mean? You're gonna throw him in a Sean Strickland. He's gonna have a chance. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're talking about the top level guys too. But and, anyone, you know, like anyone, like who's the number? Who's the twentieth ranked? Who, you throw Chris Curtis is a good example. Chris Curtis is a good fighter. He's not a top fifteen fighter. He would destroy Jake Paul in a fight. I, I agree on that, but with that weight discrepancy, plus with Nate Diaz's style, like we know that Jake Paul can outbox Nate Diaz. We've seen it. I mean, he kind of did, but it wasn't like he was out there like he knocked him down one time, but it wasn't like he went out there and decimated Nate Diaz. Like, he beat him. He yeah, certainly well, I mean, did beat him, but. but I, I actually just lied. I didn't see it because I didn't watch that fight. <laughs> but from what I understood, he outboxed yeah, Nate I mean, Diaz. So. He kind of did. You know, he did, but yeah. And you've seen Nate Diaz's fights for years. Like, has he ever done anything other than box? I mean, like, yeah. I, I mean, he does. I mean. I mean, he does have, he does have, I mean, just like what happened in the Tony Ferguson fight, he was winning with boxing on the feet and then Tony got close to him and he grabbed a guillotine and choked him out. Like that's the reality of it. You know what I mean? One mistake. And also, like I said, I just think that, you know, skills, like I said, Jake, you know, Jake can learn and I'm not, I, I'm, I hope Jake fights MMA. I have no problem with that. I hope he learns one fight middleweights. Cause you're a middleweight. You're not a freaking fighting lightweights. Let's stop that crap. 
But also, like yeah. I said, dude, it takes a long time to learn. And jiu-jitsu is one. Jiu-jitsu and wrestling are two of the hardest things to learn. Like, you know, I mean, not saying the striking is easy. It certainly isn't. I'm saying like the nuances of jiu-jitsu and wrestling are really hard to learn. That's why we always say like when you're Bo Nickel, you're going to have an advantage coming in day one because you've been wrestling since you're four years old. Like you've been doing it for, you know, 20 some odd years and you're at the highest level doing it. It's going to be hard for anyone to match you in that level. The only guy who's ever really done is George St. Pierre, who suddenly became an incredible wrestler who had no wrestling experience. But other than that, it just doesn't happen. And uh, yeah, I'm going to put it right now. If Jake Paul fights Nate Diaz in MMA, I'm putting my money on Jake Paul. If he fights someone else, if he fights someone else, I may not put the money on. So I'm not saying like Jake Paul is going to be a great MMA fighter, but if he fights Nate Diaz, I got my money on him. You would actually pick Jake Paul to beat Nate Diaz in an MMA fight. You're seriously saying that right now. It's my money. Yes. Dude, come on. Seriously. I mean, dude, Nate would try to box him. That's what he does. Or like you said, like you don't think Jake can learn in like a couple months, like how to not get guillotined or how to, stop a takedown like it's not hard to stop a jujitsu takedown like I mean, now if nate was now if he's fighting a halfway decent wrestler that's completely different but like nate is not a good wrestler never has been a good wrestler i can't believe what i'm hearing right now matt brown i can't believe i'm hearing this right now. i'm like <laughs> i'm shocked out of my mind like i'm not listen i'm not saying jake couldn't find success in mma but i mean and i'm also not saying that nate diaz is the best in the world he, he never was but Come on, dude! Like he's one mistake, he's gonna get caught in something. He's going, he's going to get caught. He's going to get, he's going to get heel hooked. He's gonna get knee barred. He's gonna get arm barred. He's gonna get guillotined. He's going to get caught. Nate Diaz is legitimately a really good jujitsu uh, stylist. At some point, he's going to slip up and he's going to have Nate on his back and he's going to get choked out and he's going to say, "Oops, I made a mistake." Oh, for sure. If, if he if, if he ends up in a grappling exchange with Nate Diaz. I don't think it takes very long for Nate to find a, a submission. I just I like I don't think that Nate would get to it though. All I think right. Nate would try like Nate boxes people. He boxes great boxers. Even like, like when him and Connor were throwing down, like he wasn't the one shooting for a takedown. Even like when Nate's getting knocked out and getting beat up all to hell, like he's not shooting for takedowns. Like he he'll get the shit kicked out of him and sit there and keep trying to box you. My only, the only way I see Jake Paul having a real legitimate chance is just because of Nate Diaz or because of the size advantage. He has like 30 pounds on Nate and Nate's not really a middleweight. Put Jake Paul in there against any legitimate middleweight, throw him in there with any top 20, top 25 middleweight and he loses. Hold on now. now hold on. I never said against someone else. I said against <laughs> Nate Diaz. I'm taking into account the weight advantage. All right. I disagree. I'm, I'm not saying uh, Jake will ever be a great MMA fighter. Like, he's got, like, how old is he now? Like, he's got light years to go. 25, I think he's like 25, something like that. He's got a chance to be a good MMA fighter. Won't be a champion, but he's, he could be good, you know, starting at 25 with already decent boxing. So, but against Nate Diaz, I'm just saying stylistically, it's not a bad matchup for Jake Paul. Oh, I totally disagree. I think it's Especially a bad the weight advantage is the only the weight advantage is the only thing that would kind of scare me. But you know, again, that old school like you know that BJ Penn Nate Diaz Diaz brothers attitude. I don't know that really matters in the end. But all right, we'll go with that. So uh, you heard it here, folks. Matt, Matt Brown's picking Tyson Fury to beat Francis Ngannou in MMA. He's picking Jake Paul to beat. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm, oh, joking, oh. I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think Francis would get beat up in boxing and, and be stupid enough <laughs> to box him in MMA. So, but Nate Diaz, I don't, you know, I don't think he's stupid, but uh, I, I think he's, he's got a lot of balls. He would try to box Jake Paul in an MMA fight. I do think it's hilarious, Tyson Fury, when they're like, when when he was like getting in that whole thing with John Jones. Remember that, like a few months ago, and like John's like, "All right, come over and fight." He's like, "Oh, I'm never doing a cage fight. I'm a boxer. You come fight me in boxing, because you know better. Because you know better." John Jones would that would be the that would be the fastest, nastiest fight that I mean, Tyson Fury would be like, he would be bleeding from both sides of his head, and he would be like, "Yep, this is a real big, this is a real bad mistake." Francis Ngannou, he might have a slight chance just if it stays on the feet. He's got no chance against John Jones. He's like, "No, no, 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 I'm not doing cage fighting. I'm a boxer." <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's hilarious. All right. That's our show for this week. I'm still reeling from this one. It's going to take me a couple of days to recover from that revelation that you're picking Jake Paul to beat Nate Diaz. Uh, we'll be back next week, obviously. One last thing. I also tried to convince you that Strickland had a chance. So we'll just end on that there. You did. I tried. You did. I, I went the other way and I convinced you the wrong way. And then, you know, we were both wrong. But yeah, no, I, you're right. You did try to convince me. But I, I, have, I have far less confidence in Jake Paul beating Nate Diaz than I had anything with Sean Strickland. But, you know, maybe, maybe so. I'm just, I'm just glad that you, I'm just glad that you didn't. I, I kept waiting this whole time for you to pull out the, well, I picked Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did pick Connor to beat Aldo. I'm just saying, throwing that out there. So, I know, I know. I threw it out there for you because I knew that it was somewhere creeping from the back of your mind to the front. <laughs> well, I did bring up Connor beating Aldo earlier. I just didn't bring up that I also picked him and you picked Aldo. So, you know, you got that one on me forever. I do. I have that one on you forever. All right. Uh, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about the fallout from Noche UFC as Valentina Shevchenko takes on Alexa Grasso and Jack Della Maddalena takes on Kevin Holland. And I think we roll right into another event the following weekend on the 23rd. There's a fight. Uh, that is uh, Matush Gamrod against uh, Rafael Fiziev, which is a really fun lightweight fight. So uh, I know you're a big Fiziev guy. So we'll roll right into that next week. So a big thank you as always everyone that tunes in. Matt, where can people check you out? Obviously, we talked about the guys at Redwood that are put, that are going to get you the sauna which is going to be up and running in the immortal household in about a week or so uh where else can people check out and support you i'm the immortal twitter and instagram at the immortal coffee twitter and instagram let's get it love it folks we'll see you back here next week for another edition of the fighter versus the rider thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you then Network.